The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the doors were locked where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. There are certain forces of nature that leave us in a state of wonder and even helplessness. A great wind, thunder, lightning, a volcanic eruption, an earthquake. We can't control them. We can only stand by and watch them. Stand by in awe because we have no control over them. And yet, they are only little specks of dust, little finite moments compared to the power of God and the power of that third person, the Holy Spirit. And unlike the power of God and the Holy Spirit, they can sometimes be destructive. They can put us into great fear because of what they can do by way of harming us. But they are little glimpses of a power beyond ourselves. And the Holy Spirit is an infinite power who comes to us to bring a grace that we ourselves are incapable of creating. It's strange, isn't it? When you think of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and next Sunday is Trinity Sunday, the Father, we have some human idea of, don't we? Because of fatherhood. The Son even took our nature and came to us, entered human history, walked among us, and redeemed us. And yet, while we have an idea of him, he came into a world without photography and into a culture where even images were forbidden. We have busts of Caesar or Cicero, but no such image of our Lord. 
We weren't meant to. But we still have an idea of him, obviously, in pictures, statues. The Holy Spirit, though, what do we have? Wind, tongues of fire, a dove. All very small things, in a way, to somehow convey the power of God coming into our midst. Our Lord came today, in today's gospel, to his disciples. And he gives them the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice how he does it. He breathes on them. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the breath of life. In fact, you might remember during Holy Week at the Chrism Mass, when the bishop blesses the chrism, before he actually blesses it, he breathes on it. And his spirit, as a successor of the apostles, that breath brings down the Holy Spirit to transform the chrism into what it does and what it is. But today is the Feast of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit. But the spirits in Scripture from the beginning, of course, they didn't know it. Think of the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. That's interesting itself, isn't it? God creates immediately chaos. Where did the chaos come from? Probably the fall of the angels, but in any event, uh, the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. Already the Holy Spirit is bringing order out of chaos in, in creation. The Holy Spirit is as part of creation. The whole trinity is, of course, even though we have trouble thinking of that. And so the Holy Spirit is always there. There's even a point in Scripture where three angels appear to Abraham. He addresses them in, as one, the symbol of the trinity. But today, again, the Holy Spirit descends on the apostles and the Blessed Mother. That's important because she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon her at the Incarnation. That's the power of the Holy Spirit allowing her to receive the second person of the Trinity and to, for him to take a human nature. She's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. It came upon her. She was present, again, by the way, at the foot of the cross because she's the woman. She is not mentioned in any of the resurrection accounts, anywhere. Our Lord appears only to repentant sinners doubters, and cowards. She's not there. But at Pentecost she is because she's the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She has the most intimate relationship with the Spirit that anyone ever had. And now we have the beginning of the church. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes to us to take us into the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit then is the soul of the church, the soul of what we are. It's the Holy Spirit that preserves the church from error. And on a it's the Holy Spirit that at a church council, in a rare occasion, very rare, the Pope alone will declare something to be infallible. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, to bring certainty to the church that the tr- truth is proclaimed from the beginning to the end. And it's only through the, Holy, through the church that the Holy Spirit comes to us. That's really quite wonderful. Even people who don't recognize the church or have the fullness of the truth, insofar as they have the Holy Spirit, receive it through the church. That's the great gift. And it's there that the power of the Holy Spirit becomes visible to us. This, again, strange being. We should pray to the Holy Spirit every single day um, for the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruits that were in the second reading. Uh, 
If you've forgotten what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, you can ask one of our confirmation students. Um, and if they don't know, they can come and ask me. But they need, <laughs> we should pray for those gifts in our lives daily. In any event, though, think of how the Holy Spirit comes to us. At baptism, of course, then again, a confirmation in a unique way, we receive those gifts. But here again, unlike the forces of nature, which we can't control and can overwhelm us, God never does, and the Holy Spirit won't either. We have to be open to that. We have to be open to receiving the gifts that he wants to give us, and to the extent that we are, we will. But we put obstacles there, roadblocks. We build walls. We enclose ourselves because we don't want them all. We're afraid of being transformed by God. And then we have the saints who aren't afraid, and they become radically different people. Confirmation in all the sacraments. It's in the sacrament of, for instance, penance, reconciliation, confession. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has sent the Holy Spirit among us for the forgiveness of sins. That's how our sins are forgiven. In the choice of a vocation, in marriage, it's the Holy Spirit that binds those, those, that man and that woman together. In ordination, the bishop lays hands on the heads of the candidate to call down the Holy Spirit to give them the priesthood of Jesus Christ. The same thing in the anointing of the sick. Through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And in particular, the greatest of all those comings in the Eucharist. The power of the Holy Spirit is that the words of institution, the bread and wine, are changed into something other than themselves and actually become the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That moment to me in the Mass is one of the most powerful, next to the words of institution themselves, when the priest stretches out his hands over the gifts and calls down the Holy Spirit to do what no human being can do. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And it's really in the presence of the Eucharist that the Holy Spirit can, can work on us with a greater power. The Holy Spirit's always with us. And by the way, the gift of tongues, St. John Chrysostom said, someone said, I don't speak in tongues. He said, yes, I do. If I belong to the church, I speak in tongues because she speaks all of them. And they're understandable. It's always dangerous. Remember Pope Paul VI following the scriptures and St. Paul says, we have to test the spirits. Don't think you have the Holy Spirit because you have a feeling of the Holy Spirit. Not necessarily. Uh, the demonic can play games, too, and the demonic is a spirit. And tongues, again, only the church has that gift, the gift of speaking in such a way as to transform the world. So you and I then come today to experience the Holy Spirit in a unique way. We should really, today in a special way, pray to the Holy Spirit when we are alone. But remember, we are never alone. We are always part of the body of Christ, and that's how the Holy Spirit comes to us. Without the church... We have only some imitation, and that's always a dangerous thing. So, in order of that beautiful sequence that was sung just before the gospel, the Veni Sancti Spiritus, the ancient sequence, I think it goes back to the, is it the 6th or 7th century, um, one of the most beautiful prayers to the Holy Spirit ever written, as is the Veni Creator Spiritus at evening prayer today. If you have an office, read that. It's a beautiful prayer. But the one we just heard is something I think I always like to conclude with on this great solemnity. Come Holy Spirit, and from heaven, direct on man the rays of your light. 
Come, Father of the poor. Come, giver of God's gifts. Come, light of men's hearts. Kindly paraclete, in your gracious visits to man's soul, you bring relief and consolation. If it is weary with toil, you bring it ease. In the heat of temptation, your grace cools it. If sorrowful, your words console it. Light most blessed, shine on the hearts of your faithful, even into their darkest corners. For without your aid, man can do nothing good, and everything is sinful. Wash clean the sinful soul. Shed down your grace on the parched soul and heal the injured soul. Soften the hard heart. Cherish and warm the ice-cold heart and give direction to the wayward. Give your seven holy gifts to your faithful for their trust is in you. Give them reward for their virtuous acts. Give them a death that ensures salvation. Give them unending bliss. Amen. Alleluia. Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you rejoicing in the coming of the Holy Spirit and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that always guided by the Holy Spirit, her members will be open to the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives, especially the Church suffering we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, they will respond to the grace of the Holy Spirit to conversion, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all those who are sick and suffering, they may know the presence of the Holy Spirit in their suffering. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have left the faith, that through the power of the Holy Spirit they may return, we pray to the Lord. For a greater respect for human life, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women will respond to the grace of the Holy Spirit to proclaim the good news in a unique way. For a greater reverence for the presence of the Holy Spirit in marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that having listened to the Holy Spirit, they may then proclaim what they have received, we pray to the Lord. For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, who all have died on the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster especially those who died recently in the shootings in Texas. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. (laughs) May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed. And for all of us here, that our lives will be so transformed by the Holy Spirit that the world will know the good news in us, we pray to the Lord. 
we now once again proclaim Christ's victory in the Christus Vincit. Amen.